Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Um, for instance, I was uh, <laughs> I was watching some Christmas videos the other day, and uh, Hall and Oates rocking around the Christmas tree popped up, and uh, there was a, there's a concert at the end of February here in New York that I think I'm gonna go to, and I gotta use GameTime because we got something a little extra for you today. Now GameTime's hooking you up with the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Player App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to Podcast by Committee, our final two episodes here, and uh, we're going to look ahead to 2020. So, by we, I mean, of course, me and Michael Peller. What up, Peller? Nothing much, man. I'm doing well. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm headed to uh, championships in my two most important leagues, uh, both friend leagues, so I'm very excited about that. But uh, I've got all that in order. This is good. I like what we're doing here. I don't need any really help with Week 16. I want to look ahead to 2020, so I like what we've got planned for these final two episodes of Podcast by Committee for the season. Can you believe it, Nando? I can't believe it, man. I mean, we started out, what an amazing preseason and then a very good season. So uh, I think, you know, I like this. We can podcast by committee can really be any sport when we're talking to the beat writers and stuff. It's it's very cool. It totally could. Stay tuned. Met a lot of cool people. Stay tuned for baseball season. Get excited. Uh, but for now, <laughs> we're talking 2020 football. Um, so we put together a 2020 mock draft. Uh, we grabbed 12 of your favorites, including Mike Florio and Andy Singleton from outside of the athletic. But we'll just really quickly, one through 12, uh, Brad Ziegler, former major leaguer and and you're on the clock enforcer, we learned uh, oh, with the yes. reply all. Yeah, big time. <laughs> um, Michael Beller had the second pick. Uh, we brought in the Bogman from, uh, is it the Welsh and Bogman? The famous duo, Scott Bogman. Uh, Derek Van Riper, Brandon Funston, Eric Moody, Chris Meany, me, Ben Florio, Seeley, Singleton, and Salfino wrapped it up on the end for his two picks. Um, so you're the number two. You had to assume Christian McCaffrey was going to go off the board at number one. I think that's like that's like the guy. Like this year, we had four guys you could have picked. I think this year was like Christian McCaffrey without a doubt, right? Oh, absolutely. That's the, it's the first time I can remember in in, in at least a few years, right? Because this year there was definitely no consensus number one. Last year, uh, at least you know that, that Le'Veon uh, holdout came so late. I don't think most of us bought it. So you had Le'Veon Gurley. Uh, maybe some people in on Zeke, uh, of course, uh, also. So uh, we had those things going. This is the first consensus, no question about who's going to be the number one in 100% of drafts that I can remember in at least a handful of years. So, I mean, obviously, we kind of we threw this together. I don't want to say hastily, but it's not like you had a month, you know, in, in real life fantasy football where you can be like, okay, McCaffrey's gone. Who do I really want number two? Uh, and you went with Saquon Barkley over Dalvin Cook. Uh, you know, you could make an argument for Michael Thomas. This is a half-point PPR format. Um, and there were, by the way, there were no, it wasn't like you got to fill out a roster. It's just pick. I think that does the most. What do you think there, Beller? Like, I don't like, I don't like the drafts. I'm like, you got to fill out a roster so people can see, you know, what it'll look like. I like it more like just draft, like you're going to draft, dude. 
I think, yeah, and and there's no reason for us, especially now, and I would say in really any mock draft until you get really close to run through a full draft. Uh, I think that anyone anyone who sets up a mock for public consumption that makes you fill out an actual team uh, doesn't know what they're talking about when it comes to fantasy football. Why would we sit here and draft 10 rounds or eight rounds or whatever and force ourselves to draft a quarterback? That's silly. We should also point out that this, I mean, like, so it was an eight-round mock, and then somehow someone started picking in the ninth round. Um, and it, someone in the reply all was like, hey, we should go 10. I'm like, okay. And then I made a joke, like, we should play it out. And that became a monster. <laughs> like, I thought people were just, I thought they would understand. And they, they didn't. And now there's a there's a thing in the reply all where people actually want to play this out. You're like um, uh, you're like Daenerys Targaryen lighting King's Landing on fire with the dragon, <laughs> yeah, uh, with, like, with that email. No, that was like, yeah, but I mean, like, I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, well, she meant to, but uh, but I know you didn't mean to. And I was sitting there watching all these replies come in like crazy, and I was like, all right, I guess we're doing ten rounds on this thing. I, and so, actually, my pick is up. Me didn't tell me that my pick was up, but it is. Yeah. So. Wait, can I talk about Saquon we'll for live. a second? Well, yeah, that's what I wanted to get to before yeah. I got off track. By the way, uh, spoiler. But anyway, he took Saquon. Uh, Dalvin Cook was out there. Michael Tom, obviously everyone else who was out there. Uh, so please, I'd like to hear this because, you know, there might be a new coach next year. That offense might be a little smoother next year. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that that's uh, really the offense being smoother next year is is what led me to Saquon. I actually think I wouldn't be surprised if by the time we're actually sitting down to mock for real next summer and then draft for real at the end of the summer, if Saquon is just as obvious the number two overall pick as uh, Christian McCaffrey is the number one overall pick. I mean, think of how many things went wrong for Saquon this year, dealing with a rookie quarterback. He had the ankle injury, uh, clearly wasn't fully healthy when he came back from the ankle injury. And we're still talking about a guy who in 11 games has, uh, what, 1,045 yards from scrimmage and five touchdowns. On a bad team, in a bad situation, a team that's, what, got three wins on the season. I mean, a lot of things worked against Saquon Barkley this year. Excuse me. And he's still going to be an RB1. And so now he comes back next year. Daniel Jones will have almost a full season under his belt. He'll be a solid number two incumbent or second year incumbent starter. Maybe there's a new uh, coach. Maybe there isn't. But I just think Saquon is going to uh, be back at the level we expected him to be this year. Next year, I will have no qualms whatsoever about taking them using the number two overall pick to get Saquon Barkley. Here's the kind of funny thing with Saquon Barkley. Uh, and I think we did this. We do this at the start of baseball season, start of football season. I think Jake wrote them both time, uh, both times was like, what, what did you miss? Well, you, you know, well, you were knocked out of the playoffs. Um, and I think, you know, Saquon Barkley just had a very good game mm-hmm. and he could have another very good game and he could finish up the season strong. And even like those numbers you just rattle off could look even better. And people might not realize it. You know what I mean? Or they might discount it and be like, well, end of year, defenses were hurt, you know, no one cared, they were just doing whatever. But um, I don't know if that'll be enough for, like, someone to look at Saquon Barkley and be like, oh, yeah, you know, his last four games, he averaged 170 total yards. Yeah, but I I just don't think it's going to, you know, the year got off to such a bad start for him, and then boom, the ankle injury, right? So, I mean, he got, he suffered the ankle injury in week three, and he didn't come back till week seven. So you've got all those missed games in there. I mean, you've got 
four, five, six, three missed games in there, and their bye wasn't until later, so I'm not counting a bye in there. And then, I mean, he we, he just clearly wasn't himself. I mean, you know, Saquon Barkley, uh, you, you watch him last year, you watch him this year. Uh, he clearly was not the same guy in those first few games back from injury. So uh, I, I think that when we get 100% Saquon Barkley next season, I hope that people aren't going to be discounting what he did this year uh, with the injury, with the quarterback situation happening there, with just being part of a truly bad team. Um, I just think all those things are going to be better next year. I expect the quarterback situation to be better, his health to be better, the Giants to be a better team. I mean, they can't really be worse than they were this season. All those things add up to Saquon Barkley being an easy top five pick. And and remember, he was a I mean, he was still he's still going to be like an RB one this season. And so it was it, he likely cost you in fantasy leagues because of the injury. But he's still going to go down as a top 10 or 12 back for the year. Uh, you're going to hear some typing in the background because something just occurred to me that I mean, it's just as you were talking, uh, I, I got to check out the Dane Brugler mock draft because the Giants have basically done what Miami is trying to do. They kind of did it accidentally uh, tank. Tank job big time. Um, you know, they got Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones with top yeah. picks, and now they're going to have another one. And it looks like he's got them taking Chase Young from Ohio State. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Chase Young's a no-brainer for them if he's there. Yeah. And then at number three, he's got Jedrick Willis going to Washington. Um, you know, the Giants could use some offensive line help. So it looks like they'll be in a yeah. pretty good spot. But you got to no take Chase Young. You got to take Chase Young. I'm just saying if they fall – like if they have some success here at the end of the year uh, and yeah, fall out yeah. of the number two spot. Sure. Um, you and, assume I mean, number two is going to be Chase Young. Yeah, and they're playing Washington this week. I mean, that's the, the loser. You almost want you kind of want to lose that game. Man, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, otherwise you still. I mean, you get a great offensive tackle from Alabama, who's sure. projecting the number three, which the Giants they've needed offensive line help for. Like the one thing when people crap on the Giants, like, well, their offensive line. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, they made the trade with Cincinnati, uh, with Cincinnati with Cleveland before the season, before the Odell Beckham trade to get some offensive line help. I don't know. Sure. I don't know, man. Like I believe in Saquon. Even with a crappy offensive line last year, he was great. So yeah. there's gonna. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, man. He is going to be just as obvious the number two pick as McCaffrey is the number one. Let's say you were the number three. Mm-hmm. Would you still go on Dalvin Cook like Bogman did, or uh, were you looking somewhere else? Um, you know, it's interesting. Actually, uh, I guess. How do I want to think about this? Um, uh, there are two schools of thought, I suppose, right now. Like right, like maybe this changes. But as we're sitting here making a 2020 draft in uh, December of 2019, like the player who there's no question about next year is Michael Thomas. So if I were going for that, if I were just going for floor, Michael Thomas would be the play. Um, but it, I mean, that's going to be the discussion. It's going to be him. It's going to be Dalvin Cook. It's going to be Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think maybe Alvin Kamara can work his way back into that discussion. Here's another guy who isn't getting enough uh, credit for his down season being caused by an injury because he too he came back from the ankle injury and just hasn't been the same guy and then before he got hurt of course uh, Drew Brees was hurt it's almost like a sneaky loss season for Elvin Kamara how many games has he been fully healthy with Drew Brees on the field this year a couple right maybe like week one when did Brees get hurt week two right uh, like week, yeah it was early he was early it was, it was week, very early. it was week two it was him and Roethlisberger got hurt the same week uh, so it was, so like week one and then when has, I mean, Kamara looked like himself last night against the Colts, I would say. Um, but it's been maybe two weeks since he's been back from the ankle that he's really looked like explosive Alvin Kamara. So uh, it's a sneaky loss season for him. I put him in that group too. And that, uh, uh he, in that group of, uh, contenders for the number three overall pick. It's interesting. You didn't put Nick Chubb in there. I mean, Kareem Hunt's not going to be back next year. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's a good it'd call. be crazy if he was, but you know, that's a good call. That's a good call. Nick Chubb should be I in there. I got Chubb at eight. Yeah. 
Well, let me, here, so it goes McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, then Dalvin Cook, uh, Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, Devontae Adams, Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, then DeAndre Hopkins to Jake, uh, Josh Jacobs, and Tyreek Hill to finish out the first round. Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I think all those guys are justifiable in the spots that they were taken. Um, but yeah, I, oh, you know, come on, you just don't want to say bad things about your fellow. No, experts. I was I was about to. If you let me, if you let me get to oh, it, the okay. one guy who uh, the one justifiable is uh, a different idea from what I would have done. I wouldn't have taken Devontae Adams ahead of ahead of Henry Chubb or Kamara. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was a not a bust but was a disappointing player for a lot of the, and you know, Jake took him and Jake's the guy in the second round, Jake came around and took Leonard Fournette, which I thought was very interesting that Fournette didn't squeeze into the first round with the season that he's having. Yeah. I mean, imagine if it, Leonard Fournette had five touchdowns, right? Where he would be. I know. Um, there's always going to be questions of health with Leonard Fournette, of course. Uh, but, uh, but um, I, I thought he would have been a first round pick too. I thought he would have uh, jumped up there. Um, we're seeing it again this year, just what sort of power a uh, a elite RB1 can bring to your team. Um, maybe people are feeling burned by the fact that the guys who we thought were elite RB1s this year didn't deliver for them, right? I mean, uh, Saquon, uh, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott has been good, but not great, not all the way up to uh, the level that he that was expected of him this season. Meanwhile, guys like Derrick Henry, uh, who was taken in the third round on average, Nick Chubb, who was a mid-second round pick, maybe late first uh, by the time we really sat down to draft those guys, uh, have been great. Josh Jacobs, obviously, has had a banner rookie season. Aaron Jones, who was you know third, fourth round pick, he has written touchdown value, but he has been a great player this year. We did find more uh, value in the, in the late, in the, the the later stages of the early part of a draft at the running back position, so maybe there's some spillover from that uh, into into 2020. But uh, Leonard Fournette is is the one guy I look at in our um, you know like early part of the second round who I think will has the best chance to be a first rounder next year. Maybe Mike Evans too. I mean, what a year he had. Let me let me ask you a strategically drafting question here. Um, okay. This year we saw so many kind of busty first rounders. Uh, my my strategy was to go hard on running backs uh, and, you know, go the old school way, just get as many running backs as you can and spot, stockpile them because there were so many disappointments. Another school of thought would be stay away from the running backs because they bust and you just, you know, gather up a bunch of pieces later on. Um, I don't know, man. Like, is there a right or wrong answer? To that? There might not be a right or wrong answer to that because the whole, like the wave of strategy for fantasy has gone back and forth so hardcore every time. Um, but I feel safer, like stockpiling, like I got Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Carryon Johnson uh, with three picks in my first four. And Lamar Jackson, I took in the second round. But we'll get into that later. But um, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it like the zero RB theory, which Selfino went hard on, still left him with okay running backs? But I'd rather go with what I have than what he has, I guess. I think number one is I, I'm just I, I'm a best player available kind of guy. I, I'm not going to uh, you know commit myself to one strategy or another. I, I'm going to try to get the best player available, and I'll worry about position afterwards. I think if you are if you end up going the zero RB route, you really have to commit to it. I mean, you really really have to go that way. Um, you're not necessarily going to know if you can or should be going that way before your draft starts. But once you go in that direction, you have to do it. You can't do you can't do this by half measures. Um, so I, I like I look at your first four rounds. Uh, you are the only person. You, no, a couple other couple. Ziegler also. So you and Ziegler, 
only people with three backs in your first four picks. And then, you know, compare yours against against Selfino's where he's got three receivers and Austin Eckler. And I don't think there's any way to say that one team is definitively better than the other. So I think that's just an illustration of, um, like I said, best player available is the number one overriding uh, strategy that I will always preach, especially early in drafts. And then number two, as we saw from Selfino, you have to commit to that zero RB strategy hard. And it could work out for him very well. Duke Johnson, Raheem Mostert, he got later in the draft. And we'll talk about the second half of this uh, in our uh, second PBC of the week uh, in a couple of days here. But, uh, you know, we, we saw zero RB work pretty well this season. If you just think of some of the guys who were probably his zero RB darlings back in August, Austin Eckler is the first one. I mean, he has had himself obviously a monster season. Uh, Miles Sanders is one of those guys and you had to wait for it, but you know, he's come on very strong over the last couple of weeks here. Um, Devin Singletary, another guy who uh, you were probably targeting if you were going zero RB, he has come on uh, pretty strong over the last couple of weeks here. So there are ways to do it. I just think that the problem with zero RB is that you really, I mean, you know, you're not the only person who's going to want those guys and you really got a hit because you could have very easily gone zero RB and ended up with, I don't know, David Montgomery and James White and not had anywhere near a good, as good a season as someone who got Miles Sanders and Austin Eckler. Well, you know, you just named a couple guys on Moody's team and it was, I was looking over this. So first of all, and I'm not just saying this because we're partners on the podcast, but I think Darius Geis, when you got him in the sixth round is probably the steal of this entire draft. Um, you know, yeah, I well, guess it's a little you. fragile, but but I mean, like, I can't believe it went that late. And my problem was I already had three running backs. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like okay, well, that sucks. So, <laughs> but that's that what made me doubt my my strategies. Like, what if I went with Cortland Sutton instead of Kareem Hunt? Then I would have been like, all right, let me grab Darius Geis now. Uh, but we'll get into that, I guess, a little later. But Moody's running backs, like he he got so he took two wide receivers, Devonte Adams and Juju Smith Schuster, with his first two picks. And then went Devin Singletary, Miles Sanders, and Marlon Mack. And you mentioned Singletary and Sanders. And I guess not knowing what, you know, what's to come next year, if you're just banking on talent, he's got three of the best running backs. You know, forget about situations. Situations can always change. He's got three awesome running backs, man. He's in good yeah, shape. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate your uh, compliment on Darius Geis being the, uh, the steal of this 2020 mock, but uh, I, I would respectfully disagree and say it's Miles Sanders. Um, Miles Sanders is going to go much higher than this uh, when we actually sit down to draft next summer. Uh, so what he was the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh pick of the fourth round. So that makes him 43 overall. No way. Are you getting Miles Sanders 43rd overall in August? There's just no way. I mean, look what the guy's done. And I know that Doug Peterson has this reputation, but uh, Doug Peterson's also never had a, a Miles Sanders in his backfield until now. And I don't think that what we saw this year was a reflection completely of a Doug Peterson tendency to use multiple backs. I think it was the fact that you're going to see most rookie backs eased in, right? I mean, not many guys are Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott or Christian McCaffrey who can just step right in their rookie year and boom, take on a workhorse role right away. And there's a reason why Saquon Barkley was the number two overall pick and Zeke Elliott was a top five pick and Christian McCaffrey was, I want to say, 10th overall to Carolina when he came out. I mean, there's a reason why guys like that go so high. Miles Sanders was not quite that high, but we've seen him grow into this larger role over the second half of the season. And of course, it was hastened by the Jordan Howard injury, and maybe they wouldn't have trusted him with as large a role in these last you know four or five weeks as they have if Howard never got hurt. But 
clearly this guy has burst through. Miles Sanders uh, is going to be a much higher pick than this. I love that guy. I love that guy this week. I'm happy I've got him on one of my championship bound teams. And I think he is going to be, I think he's going to be a second round pick next year. Yeah, but you know, if you go back and I mean, back to what you said, this is as long as Peterson's there, that backfield is going to be weird. And I do agree, like Zach Berman told us that same thing. Like he's never had a guy like Sanders. Uh, but Darius Geis, like, I mean, you obviously picked him, so I don't have to talk you into liking him. <laughs> it's true. But I mean, was this, was it a passive pick? Like, I can't believe he's still here. Like, he's got he's he could be stud next year. He was a stud when he was healthy and playing this year, and that was oh, Adrian but, Peterson there. Yes, yeah, that was an easy pick for me. That was a that was a really easy one. I loved Geis. I mean, I tried to get him wherever I could this year. I tried to scoop him when he was on IR as a as a long term play and keep him where I could, where I had that roster flexibility. And next year, he's going to enter with zero. Uh, complications in terms of the roster. Obviously, there's going to be someone there because of the injury history that he has. And, you know, we're going to have to go into that with eyes wide open next season. Uh, obviously, uh, you've got the the history of knee injuries that Darius Geis has had in his career. Now, three knee injuries in his two-year NFL career. That's scary. And that's something that we're going to have to square ourselves with. But the talent is obvious. And you know what? If you're going to suffer knee injuries in your career, best to do it when you are, wait for it, wait for it, 22 years old, turning 23 years old in June. So, I mean, as in his age 23 season, to use a baseball term, in 2020, I mean, you know, uh, the, I would rather uh, be 23 than 33 and suffering these knee injuries. Uh, body's going to heal faster. He's going to have more time to come back from it. This third one, the one that knocked him out for the rest of this season, at least was not quite so serious, right? I mean, if this were an injury that happened to him in week two or three, he would only miss a couple of games and be back. It's just the timing of it knocked him out for the season, but not the severity necessarily. Um, I, I mean, Darius Geis for me is going to be, he's going to be a great zero RB target because of the the fact that his uh, injury history is going to push him down draft boards. See, I think he's going to get put, I think by the time people pick and they realize that he's got that backfield to himself, and I guess we can wait and see who the new head coach is going to be there and everything. Um, Urban, Urban Meyer. You think so? I mean, he was there, right? He was he was at the game talking to Alex Smith, his quarterback at Utah. Uh, it's, I mean, there's just so many connections there. Uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins, obviously, and Terry McLaurin. Uh, I mean, they're, right. they're just a ton of uh, Urban Meyer, OSU, Washington, Utah with Alex Smith and sort of the quarterback emeritus role that he has transitioned into for that team. So many connections. Uh, and it feels like Urban Meyer's damaged goods in the college game. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go there one bit. You know, I've, I've been looking up certain players here. You just said Terry McLaurin. You had McLaurin. Um, you and I, I think, despite – like, I don't know if you like my team, but you have all these players that I like to pick. Um, your team is right now is right now with a round to go, I guess, or two – whatever. However, I don't even know where we are now, but whatever. <laughs> Barkley, Beckham, Kelsey, Phelan, Gallup, Geis, McLaurin, Drake, Robbie Anderson. Like, yeah, I, I love – Love Terry McLaurin. I love Kenyon Drake. I really like Michael Gallup. I, Odell Beckham and I have a – there's a weird thing <laughs> going on. Um, you know, it's let's a star-crossed relationship. We're about the early rounds. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, – you know, it's uh, – We should talk know. about Beckham. We should talk about Beckham because he's going to be a very interesting guy next year. He might not be a Brown next year. Dude, I think that's all hogwash. Uh, I think maybe, that's all – Maybe not. I think – Put yourself in John Dorsey's right, position or, or Jimmy Haslam's position. You have assembled all this talent, all this talent, right? Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. Obviously, you have some work to do on the line. David Njoku, who this was a lost year for, we can write it off and move on to next year. The guy's still very young. Uh, a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, of course, led uh, by Miles Garrett. You have a lot of talent on this team. We've seen how quickly 
windows can close in the NFL unless you are Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Are you going to really let these guys mutiny and leave, or are you going to get rid of Freddie Kitchens? To me, that is an easy decision. Very easy. And I think a new coach in there comes in, calms things down, uh, you know, soothes all wounds, and they move on, and they move forward to 2020, and they keep that talent together, and they make at least one more run at it. And if they do, I think I would not be surprised to see the 2020 Browns be like the 2019 Browns were expected to be. I uh, I was about to follow up with who do you think has a better chance of being on a, on the Cleveland Browns next year, Freddie Kitchens or Odell Beckham Jr.? So. <laughs> I mean, that is to me that, that it should be a no brainer, and I mean it's that that should also be like like Odell. If, if this were a prop, it would be it should be like Odell minus a thousand, Freddie Kitchens plus eight fifty. I'm sure we could find that somewhere. You I think can. More, I think it would be more than that actually. It might be. I mean, you can't. You can't keep. You can't let Freddie Kitchens still be the coach of this team next year. You just can't. And it's not like that's a crazy thing. It just happened last year with Steve Wilkes. So, like, you know. Oh well, I mean, imagine if imagine if the Browns like played good but not great after you know, they let Hugh go and Freddie ascended to uh, offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I mean that was just like a. It was almost like the worst thing that happened to the Browns was how good they were. Uh, in the second half of last season because they were they were sort of their hands were almost tied with how well they played and how you know Kitchens and Baker Mayfield seemed to have this connection Uh, but you know this is all you know vis-a-vis Odell Beckham and my second round pick in this mock draft Uh, so we're looking at you know the number one two three four five six seven eight nine the tenth receiver off the board the 23rd overall player off the board sandwiched in between Aaron Jones and Joe Mixon, um, I like Odell Beckham there. I mean, the receivers who went just before him, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Only one I would really uh, complain about there or argue with is Amari Cooper. Obviously, it was Funston. Guy doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I can see Juju. I can see both Bucks going over him. But, man, uh, uh, Nando, I think Odell bounces back in a big way next year. I hope so. Like, I, the, he destroyed a lot of teams this year, and particularly a lot of my, Like, I put – I think he was $53 for me in the flex league out of a $200 budget. Uh, I think he was too. I was, I was the auctioneer. Yeah, you were the auctioneer, right? I I was calling it out. I believe he was the first player thrown out there too. I went very hard on Odell Beckham Jr. (laughs) and Antonio Brown this year. And I think that's why (laughs) one out of 12 teams made the playoffs. Got a hunch. (laughs) That'll do it. That'll do it. (laughs) But I wonder, like, fast forward to next year, will he be like $37? You know, he's he's obviously going to be coming off sports hernia surgery. And who knows yeah. what else he's playing with. Um, but he should be clear. I mean, Kareem Hunt had his I mean, hernia surgery in like August. Yeah. Time heals all wounds, man. And especially if especially if they get like a, a coach that we're excited about in their next season, people aren't going to, I think, hold too much against Odell Beckham going into next year. Uh, just, uh, like it was just such a – it was such a an unexpected year and such a, you know, uh, a year not only unexpected in terms of – the numbers he put up, but really bizarre in terms of how silent he was for so many games. And we just, I mean, the the talent is too overwhelming for that to happen again. Let's just do this. And I know it's unlikely, but say Freddie Kitchens remains the head coach. Um, But let's say he's like, okay, I'm going to let Todd Monken call the plays. Let's even just say, all right, let me give you two scenarios. One, Freddie Kitchens, three scenarios. Just give me Odell (laughs) Beckham's dollar value under each one. No, sorry, as I think this through. Freddie Kitchens comes back, uh-huh. uh, and he's again same scenarios this year. How much do you pay for Odell Beckham Jr. in an auction? In a vacuum, I'll say thirty-two dollars. Freddie Kitchens comes back, but he says Todd Monken's calling all the offensive plays this year. 
$35. Todd Monken's the head coach of the Cleveland Browns next year. $35. I don't see any difference between Monken being the head coach and Monken being the play caller. All right. Well, I guess that's fair. That's a bad scenario. My, my bad. <laughs> uh, let's say they lure Greg Williams back to be head coach. Oh, God. And Todd uh, Monken. Like... Yeah, I guess I'll say it. In all scenarios, Todd Monken's the offensive coordinator. Lure Greg. I'm, I'm sure that I'm sure that would be a I'm sure that would be a very tough lure. I'm sure they have to throw that bait out there, and they're really going to have to you know court Greg Williams if they did that. Well, I mean, maybe he's happy he's the Jets' defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, he'd much rather be the Jets' defensive coordinator <laughs> than <the Browns> coach. <laughs> I hope they figure it out. And they're like, oh man, this this guy was awesome for the second half of that 2018 season. What did we What did we do? What have you we done? You can't do that though. You can't do that. Look at look around the league. I mean, right? Uh, Kyle Shanahan uh, in in San Francisco. Matt Lafleur. Uh, Sean Payton. Uh, uh, I mean, John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the league, and Greg Roman. Look what they've done, and a very unique weapon, of course, in Lamar Jackson. Uh, um, uh, Andy Reid in Kansas City. Uh, Bill O'Brien in Houston. I mean, it is it is an offensive coach's world, man. I mean, you can't be a defensive head like the defensive head coaches are um, are institutions. Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin. Uh, it's an offensive coach's world. It's not going to be an offense. And when you already have the infrastructure that you have in Cleveland, it's not going to be a defense guy. It's going to be an offense guy. I should maybe it'll be how many, but they got the offense. They got Todd Monken already there. Well, maybe you elevate Monken then, but I don't think you go out and bring in a defense guy to be your head coach. But if a lot you of bringing a defense guy to be your head coach in the year of our Lord, 2019, 2020 in the NFL, all you are doing is setting up your OC to get a job elsewhere and then having to figure out your offense on the fly. I don't know if that's true. Look how many offensive guys like Adam. Uh, Gase. Come on, McVeigh, All these guys are all these guys are getting head jobs somewhere. I mean, wh- what recent defensive-minded hire has been a-, a guy that the team still feels really good about years later? Maybe Mike Zimmer. <laughs> you um, hear the typing. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, what's his name? Mike Vrabel. Hold on, I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page for current NFL head coaches. It's going to make <laughs> this go a lot faster. So those two off the uh, top Dan- of my head. Yeah, Dan, Dan Quinn. Quinn okay, yeah, they don't feel good about him. He's gone. Uh, really? No, I think they're good. the players love him. They've embraced him and had the second half run. All right, they're five and nine. Yeah, he took him I mean, to the Super Bowl. And, and, and let's remember, like, let's not just look at the, this year also. We've got Todd Bowles. We've got Steve Wilkes. Those guys were, you know, in and out the door. Um, yeah, I'd, oh, I'd say the one guy on the offensive side, yeah, I mean, Vic Fangio, we're not going to close the door on him after one year. Um on the offensive side, the one guy who fits this is Adam Gase, perhaps. Um, you know, maybe Brian Flores, a defensive guy who they're feeling jazzed about in Miami right now. But yeah, still, that, okay, that's a good one. They love Brian yeah. Flores and they love yeah. Vic Fangio. Yeah, but if you, but I mean, love and success are two different things. Well, they took over crappy teams. That's true. That's why I'm saying. That, I mean, Zach Taylor took over a good team and is supposed to be this a good team, brilliant guy, and he's bombed. What was it? Adam Gase. Cincinnati. Yeah, Adam Gase is the one who stands out to me. Because and especially since I mean, now we've Cincinnati seen it, should have more than one win. We've seen it out of Adam Gase in a couple of spots too. That's really the the, the killer for him. Now maybe okay. So you're right on a lot of this. Uh, Anthony Lynn was an offensive guy who's been okay with the Chargers, I guess. Yeah, Zimmer's been good. Belichick, you're right. Yeah, Shermer's an offensive guy who's seven mm-hmm. and sixteen. Gase. Yeah. So Shermer's a good one. Shermer's a decent one in the you know. Let's not just hand all of our head coaching gigs to offensive guys. I like Shermer though, man. Look what he did last year. Yeah, and look what he did with Minnesota. I mean, you got to you got to fill the cupboard somehow, and they haven't really done that in in New York just yet. Oh, all right, I got a defensive guy who's worked wonders with this team for you. Okay, who's a year old, Mike Vrabel. <laughs> I said Vrabel. I know. I was going down the <laughs> list. Uh, yeah, that's I get, all right. 
It's Vrabel and Zimmer. Are the, <laughs> Vrabel and Zimmer are the defensive-minded coach winners of you know recent vintage. Yeah. Otherwise, you need an offensive head coach, and that brings us back to where we started, which is it's going to be an offensive guy in Cleveland, and because of that, I'm going to be back in on the Browns next year. Uh, which is why I was very happy to grab Odell Beckham at uh, pick number 23 overall in this 2020 Can you see them bringing in like Marvin Lewis? Like, no. like look, oh, Marvin oh, Lewis? Are you out Freddie of your Kitchens, mind? Freddie Kitchens is an offensive-minded coach who, uh, who bombed without any experience. I mean, he, so was, he, yeah, he had zero experience. been the head coach. I think they can I mean, really, like, Jeff Fisher could be your next coach of the Cleveland Browns. No, he couldn't. I mean, even in a league that loves the retread more than any other, I mean – profession any other industry in the world there's no there's no industry that loves the retread quite like the nfl you cannot give that job to one of those guys but if Todd Monk have in place you have to go and i mean think of all the resources that they've invested to build this team everything sashi brown did everything that john dorsey has done uh to build the team that they have like you got to strike now you can't be if you're if you're the browns you can't be thinking all right, we can build up for a couple of years, and then 2023 is our year. I mean, it's right. now. It is now or never. And we've that's seen, why you bring in Jeff Fisher or Marvin Lewis. It is not why you bring right in Jeff Fisher. Like, that's, why you bring in, that's why you bring in an offensive guy to be, you know, Baker's uh, – uh, for you know, to the Baker Mayfield can be his muse. I mean, that's what you need. You need Please someone like Monken. that. Keep Monken as the OC. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you elevate Monken. Maybe he's shown you enough. But it's going to be an offensive guy there. Uh, I promise we'll you that. Uh, we can put a gentleman's bet on that. Fine. Um, <laughs> so this this will all be up. Uh, Brandon Funson is going to be doing a roundtable. Um, but I know we want to keep these kind of short and tight. It's the holiday season. Um, so we say, Belly, like, let's cut it here. And then okay. when we jump back in uh, for the Thursday show, um, we'll talk about why I picked two tight ends kind of almost accidentally and where all the quarterbacks <laughs> went so far. And I'll make my pick live. Uh, and it's not like a stunt. It's just I think I have to do it to get this moving so Brandon can actually do the roundtable. Are you ready to make your? Can, cool can I open the request that you make your pick live right now for the? And that's how we wrap up this episode. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, look. So right now, the best available players, nobody jumps out at me. I need another wide receiver because I have T. Y. Hilton and James Washington as my two right now. The top ones are Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Alshon Jeffrey, Curtis Samuel, Sammy Watkins, Sterling mm-hmm. Shepard, D. D. Westbrook. Oof. Golden Tate, McCole Hardman, Tyrell Williams, Deshaun. I can go on and on, but it's like that's what's left, basically. I mean, you are adding um, you are adding uh, boomer bust to an already boomer bust situation with T.Y. Hilton and James Washington. Yeah, I know. So I'm thinking I might as well just go for D.D. Westbrook. Okay. I, don't, I know it's probably going to be totally out of order. I know uh, I'm watching maybe you Elshon do it. Jeffrey is a smarter one. Kaboom. No. I mean, maybe for, maybe for your build, just because Jeffrey is a floor guy. Um, but James Washington could be interesting with a healthy with a healthy Roethlisberger. We should save that for Thursday, though. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, okay. So let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you all for listening. This is our second to last episode of Podcast by Committee for this football season. Um, that's about that's about it. For Michael Beller, <laughs> I'm Nano Uh We'll be back with the second half of the show. Go over some more of the mock. See you later. <laughs>